This is an AS History podcast from Holy Cross College. Episode 1 The February Revolution. In this podcast, I will look at the conditions which helped lead to the downfall of the Tsar in 1917. I will look at the long-term causes of his abdication and the immediate causes. It would seem naive to suggest that the Tsar's position as totalitarian ruler of Russia was totally secure in 1914, before the outbreak of the First World War. Many historians have described the First World War as a catalyst, which merely sped up a process which had begun much earlier and served to further undermine an already unpopular leader and an unpopular system of government. Nicholas's unpopularity with the people was in many respects down to his shy and introverted nature. He did not understand the people and he wished to rule as his father had done in the previous century. He believed deeply in his divine right to rule Russia and resisted all calls for democracy. However, by 1905 it was clear that Russia was falling behind the rest of the world. This was highlighted, if evidence were needed, by the spectacular failure of the Russian military in the Russo-Japanese War. The failure of the Russian troops highlighted the inadequacies in Russian industry and agriculture, and naturally blame for this was laid at the feet of the Tsar, as many saw him and his outdated system of government as the key reason why Russia had not modernised at the same rate as her competitors. War also brought shortages of food in the cities, and when the workers went to the Winter Palace with a petition, calling for democratic reforms and better conditions, the Tsar's response was all too predictable. Over 100 demonstrators were killed as troops fired on the crowd. The day became remembered as Bloody Sunday, and in many people's eyes, this event was the beginning of Nicholas's downfall. For the next year, the Tsar faced mounting calls for reform. Peasants attacked the homes of the landed gentry. Workers in the cities rioted. Naval units in Kronstadt and Sebastopol mutinied in protest at harsh treatment by their officers. Nicholas narrowly avoided a total collapse of the Tsarist system in 1905 by agreeing on the advice of Sergei Witt to a set of reforms designed to appeal to the middle classes. The October Manifesto, as these reforms were called, held out hope that Russia could reform itself and move along the road towards democracy and modernity. One key feature of the 1905 revolution was that it united all groups in Russia, outside of the aristocracy and landed gentry, against the Tsar. The middle classes, represented by parties like the cadets, demanded democratic reforms, such as free elections and a Duma, which would give them some say in the running of the country. The workers, represented by the Mensheviks, and to a lesser extent the Bolsheviks, wanted improved living conditions and working conditions, whilst the peasants, represented by the SRs, demanded ownership of the land. The one thing which worked in Nicholas's favour was that the aristocracy in the army remained loyal in 1905. He was able to survive. But the question was, for how long? You would be forgiven for thinking that the Tsar would have learned from his brush with fate 
However, once the dust of 1905 settled, the Tsar began to behave exactly as he had done before the revolution. He was determined to resist change, and proved this in his dealings with the new Duma, which had been established by the October Manifesto. Twice in 1907, the Duma was dissolved, and electoral laws were modified as Nicholas tried to secure a Duma which would agree to his every demand. In the end, he got his way by ensuring that the landowners were given 50% of the vote in elections. Even so, the Duma still clashed with the Tsar as he consistently ignored their calls for further reform. The period between 1905 and 1914 also saw the Tsar once again rely heavily on repression in order to keep control of Russia. He used a secret police, the Okhrana, to root out and remove potential troublemakers. This repression was overseen by Nicholas's most trusted minister, Stolypin, after whom the hangman's noose was renamed Stolypin's Necktie. By 1914 the Tsar had recovered his position to such an extent that Lenin famously remarked on the eve of the First World War that he would not see a revolution in his lifetime. However, World War I was to put great strains on Russia. Strains which eventually would bring the entire Tsarist system crashing down. Initially, the public's response to the war was positive and a wave of patriotism swept across Russia. However, once the war began dragging itself into a second year, the initial enthusiasm began to evaporate. War created shortages of bread in the cities as food was diverted to the soldiers at the front. In the countryside, horses and equipment had been seized from the peasants and conscription had further reduced their capacity to provide food for Russia. Military defeats at Tannenberg and the Missourian Lakes had also demoralised the army. News spread through Russia like wildfire of dreadful conditions that the soldiers were experiencing at the front and rumours of incompetence amongst generals circulated freely. This discontent began to spill over onto the streets as workers and peasants protested for an end to the war. At this critical juncture, the Tsar made a fatal error. He decided that his presence at the front would inspire the army to victory and he left Petrograd. He left in September 1915 and the running of the country was handed over to the Tsarina, who was at the time heavily under the influence of a charismatic Russian Orthodox priest named Rasputin. The aristocracy resented the influence that the Tsarina and Rasputin had over government appointments, so much so that in 1916 a group of princes murdered Rasputin. The Tsarina was deeply unpopular. Rumours were abound that she was a German spy and that she had been having an affair with Rasputin. By 1917, the demonstrations in the cities, which had initially been calling for an end to the war and for food, began to get directed towards the Tsar himself. It became obvious to everyone, except the Tsar that is, that a revolution was brewing. The Tsar, at the front, underestimated the strength of opposition which was gathering in the cities. He received numerous telegrams asking him to return to Petrograd to try and restore order but he refused to take advice and ordered the army to fire on the protesters. After all, 
this had worked in 1905. So it was that on the 21st of February, one quarter of a million workers took to the streets in Petrograd on International Women's Day to protest at the food shortages. The Tsar ordered his most loyal troops, the Cossacks, to fire on the crowd, but they refused. This was a critical moment, as it had been the loyalty of the army which had saved Nicholas in 1905. Now without the army's support, he could not remain in power. Members of the aristocracy acted swiftly to prevent things escalating further. Afraid that an all-out revolution would lead to a total collapse of their privileged position, they persuaded the Tsar to abdicate the throne, in favour of his brother, Archduke Michael. The Tsar reluctantly agreed. Archduke Michael refused to take up the throne. Thus, the Romanov dynasty, which had ruled Russia for 300 years, was finished. <laughs>